Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We consider it an honor to host you. You can stay up to date with us at BethesdaChurch.tv or on Instagram. Now let's get ready for the message. Welcome once again to Easter at Bethesda. I'm so excited that you've joined us online. Obviously, we are not able to gather in person right now, but I believe that the power of Easter is going to be experienced in your life today. I believe that with all of my heart. My prayer is that you will be encouraged, and I want you to go ahead and share this with your friends, your family members, your neighbors. Uh, Let somebody know uh, about what God is doing here at Bethesda Church. Share this with them. Um, The resurrection is what makes the gospel good news. Jesus got up, which means that you can also get up. I believe that God has something to say to us today, and I I want to start a brand new series. Um, wasn't really planned, but um, a lot of things are unplanned right now. Um, but we're we're kicking off a brand new series today called "The Great Exchange." The Great Exchange, and I want to call this first message the the first installment of this. I deserve death, but Jesus gave me life. I deserve death, but Jesus gave me life. And I'm going to use a scripture uh, out of the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5, as the umbrella for for the series. Each week we will um, look at specific uh, scriptures that target what we are going to talk about that day. But I want to use this as as an umbrella for the entire series. And it comes from Romans chapter 5, starting in verse number 17. It says, for if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that, just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is the great exchange. We see that through one man, Adam, death entered the picture, but through Jesus, life came. Jesus is the ultimate game changer. He moved the meter from death over to life. And I believe that what God accomplished in Jesus was far greater than anything the devil did in and through Adam. This is the great exchange. And so I want to look at a story today of a man that deserved death. He, he actually deserved death, but because of the grace of Jesus, 
He did not give this man what he deserved, but he gave this man life instead of death. Now, in order for you and I to walk through this with good foundational understanding, I, I need to start with one big thought. One big thought, and it's important because this thought, it's not going to sound like good news, but it is good news. Um, but here's the thought. We are all guilty of breaking God's laws. We are all guilty of breaking God's laws. If you are watching this right now with someone and you're sitting in a room with someone, um, go ahead and look at them real quick and tell them you're guilty. That ought to be a great conversation starter for you at home. Go ahead and tell them you're guilty. Because the truth is, you're guilty, I'm guilty, we are all guilty. Every person that is tuned in right now is guilty. If you have ever stolen anything, the Bible says you are a thief. If you've ever told a lie, the Bible says you're a liar. If you've ever lusted, you are an adulterer. If you've ever cheated on an exam, you're a cheater. So right now there are thieves, liars, adulterers, cheaters watching this message. Welcome to Bethesda Church on Easter. See, we are all guilty of breaking God's laws. But look at what James chapter 2 verse 10 says. This is the New Living Translation. It says, for the person who keeps all the laws except one, is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. In other words, if you lusted one time, cheated one time, gossiped one time, stolen one time, you are just as guilty as the person that has broken all the laws several times over. The Bible says that because we have broken the laws, they're, they're God's laws, there is a payment for that. There is a punishment for it. And, and the real word is, is payment. And Romans chapter 6, verse 23 tells us what the payment is for breaking God's laws. It says, for the wages of sin is death. The only check that sin ever cashes or writes in your life is death. That's the payment. And so we have to grab a hold of the truth today. I know it's Resurrection Sunday, and we are going somewhere, somewhere powerful, but we first have to grasp the concept that you and I, we deserve death. That has to be the starting place. And in Luke chapter 23 is the man that I'm going to be focusing on. It's actually two men that we're going to focus on. And... We know from the, the crucifixion of Jesus that Jesus was actually crucified in between two thieves. Some translations tell us two thieves. Other translations will tell us it was two criminals. But in Luke 23, we see the story, and uh, we'll pick it up in verse number 32. It says, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him, talking about Jesus, to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Again, some translations tell us they were thieves. Others tell us they were criminals. 
Either way, we know that these two men that were crucified with Jesus were bad individuals. They were bad people. When they came to the place called the skull, there was one on his right and one on his left, and they were crucified. I don't think that we really understand crucifixion. I don't think we really grasp the magnitude of, of what a crucifixion involved. To crucify someone was only one of the ways by which you could execute a person. It was only one of the ways. There were many different ways to put someone to death, but to crucify them was the most expensive way to do it. The reason it was the most expensive way is because it took four Roman soldiers and one centurion to pull it off. And you, you had all this expense in the manpower that was involved. And the crucifixion would take several days to complete. And so you have the expense of the manpower. And, and it's also the most painful way to execute a person, and it's also the most humiliating way to execute a person. And so when the Romans decided that they wanted to crucify someone, it was a decision that they had made because they wanted to make a statement with this individual because they had to go to such great lengths to pull it off. And so that tells us a lot about what the Romans thought about Jesus, but it also tells us a lot of, about what they thought about the two criminals that, that were also being crucified with Christ. And the reason that to be crucified was so painful is that they would actually um, strip down the criminal to where they were totally naked, and they would hang them on a cross in front of, in front of everyone. Everyone got to see them in this condition. And they would be in the hot sun, which meant that for a few days their body would, would literally bake in the sun. They would lose their senses. To get a breath, they would have to push up on the cross just, just to get a breath until finally they were too exhausted to to get up, to get a breath, and so they would actually die from suffocation. So to crucify someone was, was humiliating, but it was also one of the ways that the Romans would make a statement. And so we can all imagine today how horrible this was, and, and we don't know what these criminals did. We, we just know that whatever it was, it was bad enough that the, the Romans were willing to pay more money to execute them in this fashion. So let's look at uh, Luke chapter 23, verse 39 through 41. It says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, talking about Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal, all right, so both of them are talking, the other criminal rebuked the first criminal and says, don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man 
has done nothing wrong. Now, I read that to you because spiritually speaking, we have to understand that we are all one of these two criminals. If we were just to look at ourselves through the lens of these two criminals and we looked at it spiritually, we would see that in the eyes of God, you and I, spiritually speaking, we are one of, of these two thieves or one of these two criminals. And so what I want us to do is I want us to look at what went on in these few moments here when Jesus is crucified in between two criminals, and I want you to determine today if you are more like criminal number one or if you are more like criminal number two. We don't know their names. We don't know where they came from. We don't know exactly what they did. But I believe that we can pick up a few clues today as to which one is more of a picture of us. And I, so I want us to look again at Luke 23, 39. This is the first criminal. It says, one of the criminals who hung there, he hurled insults at him. And he said, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Now, you can read past that real quick and really miss what's happening here because we, we need to answer a question. What do we know about the first criminal? By his remarks, we know a couple of things. We know that he is arrogant. We know that he is full of pride, that he's entitled, and that he doesn't fear God at all. If there's anything about God that he wants, it's like, okay, Jesus, you're, you're the Savior. Why don't you save us? You know, just kind of sarcastically going through this. And I want to pause here and say that a lot of people treat God just like the first criminal. They treat God casually. It's kind of like, okay, there's a heaven and a hell. You need me to pray a little prayer. What's the prayer? I'll pray the prayer. I'll check the box. I'll fill out your card. I'll come to your little class. I'll, I'll do what I need to do. Uh, I, I want God to do for me a few things, but don't ask you know, me to do anything for God. That's the mentality of the first criminal. He's entitled. He, he, he does not recognize his own guilt or his own sin. He thinks, I've done nothing wrong. This isn't right. This isn't fair. There's one, one word that would summarize the first criminal, and the, that word would be unrepentant. The first criminal is unrepentant. He is not owning his actions. He's not owning his sinfulness. But when we look at the second criminal, he is equally guilty, but he has a different perspective. Let's look at him in, in Luke 23, 40 and 41. It says, but the other criminal, all right, first one's already spoke. This is the second criminal. He rebukes the first criminal. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. This, this, this second criminal, he's literally calling out the first criminal. Like, Joker, you know we both messed up, and you're acting like you've done nothing wrong. We both did wrong. The only person that didn't do wrong 
is the one in between us. The one, the, the man they call G, he's the one that should be upset about this. He's the one that should be saying, why am I being crucified? I didn't do anything wrong. And so he's calling out the first criminal. Now, again, I want you to understand, the second criminal is just as guilty. He's getting what he deserves. But he's not arrogant. He's not prideful. He's not entitled. We can actually see the second criminal is broken. He's humble. He recognizes, I've done something wrong. I deserve this. We can see in him that he has a fear of God. And, and, and so that's why I say we are all either one of these, we're one of these two criminals. And if you were to summarize criminal number two, you would, you would summarize him with one word as well. It wouldn't be unrepentant, it would be repentant. The first criminal is unrepentant, the second criminal is repentant. He knows that he needs mercy, he knows that he needs grace, he knows that he needs help. And he's calling out to Jesus for help. And this is significant because our culture in the last 20 to 30 years has significantly shifted. 20 or 30 years ago, people had no problem saying, I did wrong. I made a mistake. They had no problem saying, I'm a sinner. Things have shifted now and people don't even want uh, to utilize that kind of terminology. People will say things like, don't call me a sinner. I didn't do wrong. This is not a sin. And, and so we've taken on the mindset of the first criminal. The problem is, is that when we take on that mindset, we are comparing ourselves with other people and we're not comparing ourselves to God's law. And that's, that's where the gap comes in. You may be sitting next to someone that is much worse than you much worse than you, but both of you need Jesus the same. Right there in your living room, you can smile at me. Both of you need Jesus the same. We have all broken God's laws. This is the starting place. If we fail to start from the place that I have broken God's law, I will never see my need for God in my life. I'll never see it. I have to start with the premise that I have broken his law, broken his covenant. See, if we are unrepentant and, and we are full of pride, we're more like criminal number one. But if we know we've messed up, and we know we've made mistakes, and we know we have broken God's laws, we're more like criminal number two. And so I want you to get this. Until you see your sinfulness, you won't see your need for a savior. I have to first of all acknowledge my sinfulness. As long as I remain arrogant and entitled and full of pride, God will look up, look at me and say, I can't help you. God is not going to help people that think that they have no need of him. Jesus is literally hanging on a cross between two criminals. They're both guilty. They both deserve death. And, and both men saw the same things, 
And they saw, that they not only saw the same things, they heard the same things, and they both had the same opportunity. They were both suffering severely through, through being crucified. And I want you to get this. One man missed it, and one man didn't. And it was all about the posture of their heart. It was all, they both had the same opportunity. One missed it, and one didn't. Unfortunately, the same thing will happen today. There will be two people watching this worship experience and hearing the songs that we sang today and hearing the sermon that is being shared. And the truth is there will be someone that will say, I don't need that, that's just religion. But there will be somebody else that will say, I've made mistakes, I've broken God's law, I need help, I need Jesus. That will happen today. We all have to make a decision on if we're going to serve God or not. But if we're going to serve God, it starts with the understanding that I have broken his law. I have missed the mark. See, the good news is, is that when we admit that we are sinners, we admit that we have broken his law, then we're able to be changed transformed, forgiven, healed, set free, delivered, all of those things, but it has to start with an acknowledgement that I have broken God's laws. Now, the power of this story continues. It doesn't stop there. In verses 42 and 43, it says, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. I, I hope that you, you got a hold of this because he's, he's literally saying, Jesus, I know I'm being crucified. I deserve this. I deserve it. But would you please remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus looks back at him and says, today you'll be with me in paradise. I, I love this because this, this right here is the purest story uh, of, that illustrates what Paul was trying to tell us in Ephesians chapter number two. In Ephesians chapter number two, verses eight and nine, it says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. See, for many of you, you feel like you've been trying, and no matter how hard you try, you come up short. Others of you, if you're like me, the harder I try, the more I mess up. Sometimes we think that our good works is what gets us into the kingdom. And Paul very clearly tells us that it's not about your works at all. If it, if it were, you could boast about it, you could brag about it, but it's by grace through faith, and Jesus even illustrates it as he's dying on the cross, as he looks at a criminal and tells him, today you will be with me in paradise. If that is not a picture of God's love and God's grace and God's mercy and, and the fact that God didn't give me death, but he gave me life, I don't, know, I don't know a better illustration of that that we could find. And I want to tell some people today 
that you are not made right with God by going to church. You're not made right with God by becoming a church member. You're not made right with God by giving money. You're not made right with God by helping little old ladies cross the street. You, 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 you're not made right with God by being a nice person, by quitting bad stuff. You're not right with God because you stopped cussing. You're not made right with God because you're a religious person. You are made right with God through faith. That's it. Through faith. See, the criminal on the cross couldn't do any good works because his hands were bound to the cross. He couldn't go to church because he could not get down off the cross. He couldn't turn over a new leaf and do good things because he was dying. All he could do was trust in the grace of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, no matter how hard you try, how much you perform, how many good deeds that you do, you will always feel like you come up short. And that's why today I am thankful that on Resurrection Sunday, it's not about my ability to get up, it's about Jesus' ability to get up. And he did get up, and because he got up, I can also get up, but it's not about my effort, it's about my trust. It's about my trust. My faith is in him. Scriptures like Psalm 103 start to come alive when we understand this. It says in verse 8, The Lord is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I am so thankful that God doesn't treat me as my sins deserved. Because I deserved death, but Jesus gave me life. He does not repay us according to our iniquities. He separated my sins far from me, as far as the east is from the west. That's God's heart. That's, that's God's love for you and I. We don't have eternal life because we are good. We have eternal life because God is good. I'll take it a step further. We don't go to heaven or good people don't go to heaven, forgiven people go to heaven. It's not about you and I being good. It's about Jesus is good. The heart of the gospel is that you and I were bad. We broke the law. But Jesus, in his mercy, he is so good. And it's not even that he does good. He is good. It's not that he does love. He is love. It's who he is today. So no matter how far you may feel from God, maybe you feel like you're miles from the presence of God, but we learn from this second criminal who in a moment could do no good works, 
couldn't go to church, couldn't give, couldn't help anybody. But in a moment that he, his heart turned and he said, I need some help, Jesus met him right there in that moment. And I want to tell some people that are watching, Jesus will meet you right there where you are. I think about Jesus before the resurrection as he's being crucified. When he should have been sitting on a throne, he was hanging on a cross. When he should have had a crown of gold, he had a crown of thorns. When he should have been surrounded by servants, he was surrounded by criminals. When he was innocent, he gave his life for us who are guilty. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you and I. That he does not hold our sins against us. Jesus, as he was dying on the cross, taking our place and making payment for our sins. The Bible says that he looked up and he said to the Father and to everyone that could hear, it is finished. That was his words, it is finished. He was saying, God, I did what you purposed for me to do. I have accomplished what you told me to do. And it's in that moment that he commits his spirit into the hands of, of his Father. And the Bible says that when that happened, that the earth shook, that the skies went dark, and that the centurion looked on and he said this, surely this man was the Son of God. See, when everybody else thought it was over, heaven knew at that moment God was just getting started. Because three days later, after he had died, when the women came to the tomb, it was the women that came, not the men, by the way. The women came to the tomb, and they saw that the stone had been rolled away. And the tomb was empty. And the reason the tomb was empty is because Jesus had risen from the dead. He had risen from the dead. We have to recognize that we don't have the potential for eternal life because we are good. It's all about Jesus being good. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, we, we read half of it earlier. I want to read the whole verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy... He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The Bible tells us that if anyone is in Christ, that he or she is a new creation, that old things have passed away and all things have become new, that anyone that calls upon the name of the Lord, that person will be saved. He has given us a hope today. He has given you a hope today. Not because we were good, but because he is good. As the worship team gets back in place, I want to close and go with Romans chapter 5, verse number 9 from the Amplified 
version. It says, therefore, since we have now been justified, declared free of the guilt of sin by his blood, how much more certain is it that we will be saved from the wrath of God through him? God has proven his love to you and I. He's proven that. In that we are saved from punishment. Saved from the punishment you and I deserved. The word justified, you and I being justified, when we come into a relationship with God, we are justified in Christ. It's just as if our sins never happened. That's how far he removes our sins from us. It's like we, we never even did wrong. And it, it's like your sin didn't even occur. It's so powerful what Jesus does for us. And it's not, when, when we get saved, it, he frees us from the sins of our past, our present, and even our future. It's not that we go on willfully sinning, but let's get real. We blow it sometimes. And we need his grace. We need his forgiveness. But I want you to know today, Jesus didn't just give us a get out of jail free card. That's not what he did. It's not, you know, I, I'm just covering you for this. That's, that's not what he did. Jesus paid the full price the full payment of our sins. Because if he's God, he's got to be just. So there has to be justice and there has to be mercy. And I want to show you how he did this with a little story that, that I read about two individuals. Because what Jesus did, he, he demonstrated full justice and full mercy. An old story, it's about two men from New York and they grew up as best friends. They played ball together, they went to college together, graduated law school together. They had they'd basically done their entire life together. But it was there right after grad school that their lives took two different directions, took on two different paths. One went on to a life of service and eventually he became a respected federal judge. The other man, he tried to open his own practice, but the pressures led him to drugs and the drugs led him to crime. Years had passed, many, many years had passed and the second guy, he got caught on a fraud charge and he was being arraigned and he was brought in before the court for his sentencing. And it just so happened that he came and the judge was his former friend. And he walked into the courtroom and he saw his friend from many years ago and realized we, we definitely took different paths because he's the judge and I'm the criminal. And he's wondering in his own mind, I wonder if he'll show me any mercy. What happened next was shocking. His former friend, the judge, 
he read the charge and then he handed down the largest fine possible. It was the biggest penalty the law would allow. And it was the most se severe um, ruling this judge had ever made, the most severe ever. Then after assigning this big fine, the judge got up, he left his bench, walked out of the courtroom, took off his robe, and then he grabbed his, check, his checkbook and he paid the penalty of his friend. He was demonstrating both justice and mercy. And that is exactly what Jesus did for you and I on the cross. He served full justice. God, God is holy, which means sin has to be judged. Jesus did that on the cross. But he's also merciful in the fact that we couldn't pay the bill. So Jesus got his checkbook out with his life and he paid the bill for you. That is what Jesus has done for you and I. I deserve death, but Jesus gave me life. We are all guilty. We have all broken the law of God, but your debt has been paid in full. Will you be like criminal number one and act like it's something you don't need? Or will you be like criminal number two who recognized I need some help? I need some help. Right there where you are, wherever you may be watching this, I want to speak specifically to those that are not in a relationship with Jesus. And I just want you to know that the blood of Jesus has the ability to take you from death over to life. Your life can be drastically changed in this moment. And it's real simple. We just have to believe that Jesus came lived a sinless life, died in our place, paying the penalty of our sin, and that he got up on the third day. We have to believe it in our heart. We have to confess it with our mouth. So I wanna lead you in a prayer. If you need to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, what? I, I don't know a better weekend to do it than Resurrection Weekend. I wanna lead you in this, and, and I, I want you to pray with me wherever you may be. All you have to say is, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you. In the name of Jesus, I am a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a savior. Jesus, I can't save myself. So I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord, be my savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we believe, that you are born again. We believe that you are now a child of God and we would love to hear about it. If you prayed that prayer with us and you believe that you have been saved, real simple, I want you to text the word saved to 304-396-0488. We would love to hear your story and connect, connect you with this Bethesda Church family and help you take your next step. We're gonna do one more worship song and it's a song that our worship team has actually written. We are so excited about it. I want you to turn your living room, your kitchen, your bedroom. I just want you to turn it into a, a place of worship as we sing 
about the blood of Jesus. God bless you, and thank you so much for joining us today. Trade to cool. 
Thanks for joining us today. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can go to BethesdaChurch.tv give. We'll catch you on the next episode. Have a great day.